When Brian Bogert was a kid, he was run over by a truck. His arm was torn off. He learned from an early age not to allow people's reactions to how he looked slow him down at all. Instead of getting stuck in the rut of what happened to him, he was moved by what he could do with it. You are going to thoroughly enjoy the interview today with Brian as he shares not only his story, but what he has learned can help you. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Brian Bogert is a passionate human behavior and performance coach, speaker, business strategist, top sales professional, and philanthropic leader who believes in helping growth-minded individuals achieve the best version of themselves, their most authentic selves. So Brian, welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. I'm happy to be here, Carol. And I know that this is going to be great. You've had some personal major setbacks, a major snowboarding injury, and serious health issues as a young man, which we'd like to, for you to share. So tell us a little bit about that and how it has impacted you to what you are doing now. Yeah, so I, I'm going to start at the beginning. This, the snowboarding injury was a refining part. You, you said it in my intro. So I know that people are going to be expecting it here, but I want to give a little context of what happened uh, originally. Okay. You know, my mom, my brother, and I went to a local Walmart to get a one-inch paintbrush. And as we were headed back out to our car, uh, this was back in the days before there was key fobs. So I had to wait for my mom to catch up to the car to unlock the doors. And as I was waiting there at the door, there was a truck that parked in front of the store, and the driver and middle passenger got out. Passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So Carol, he did what any one of us would do and scooted over to put uh. his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Oh, Combination no. of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard, and before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us with no time to react. We were parked in an end spot. He goes up over the median, up over the train, the median, hits our car, knocks me over, runs over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach, and completely ripping my left arm off of my body. So this was August 10th, 1992. It was a 115 degree day. And I can't tell this story without talking about my guardian angel. Because there was a nurse that walked out of the store right when this took place. And she saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her. And she rushed immediately into action, which I'm forever indebted for. She could have just turned her head and gone on with her day. She came over and stopped the bleeding on the main wound and saved my life. And she instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, and get my detached limb on ice within minutes to give me oh a fighting chance goodness. having my arm oh reattached. Oh, my goodness. 
So Carol, had it not been for this woman, I either wouldn't be here with you today or I'd be here with you today with a cleaned up stump. That's just the reality. And so although you said it in the intro, uh, I I know that a lot of people still have a little bit of shock when they hear the story. And (laughs) yes, I have a very unique story. But what I've learned in all of my time of doing this is that we all have unique stories. What's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from our stories, then become intentional with how do we apply them in our lives. You shared one of those lessons. I'm going to share another one. The first lesson that you shared is I learned early not to get stuck by what has happened to me, but instead get moved by what I can do with it. And I've learned over all these years that moved people move people. Uh-huh. And so it's where and how we extract and learn from our lessons that we can get moved and move others. The second lesson that I didn't learn right away, but it's one of my core philosophies in life now It happened when I was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. Although I was the one having all the surgeries, although I was the one having all the years of of rehab, going to physical and occupational therapy three days a week at 6 a.m. in the morning before school to try to regain feeling and function in my arm, I was also being guided through the process. So I was a little bit in the fog. My parents, however, were not. They were intimately aware of the unceasing medical treatments, years of therapy. Uh And the idea of seeing their son grow up without the use of his left arm was a source of great potential suffering for them. They willed themselves day in and day out to do what was necessary, to do what was tough, to ultimately embrace the pains required to ultimately strengthen and heal me. So whether it was intentional or not, what they did was ingrain in me a philosophy and a way of living, which was to embrace pain to avoid suffering. And I believe when this is done correctly, this is also where we gain freedom. So it was these two primary lessons that set the foundation for me to not only overcome this unique injury, but how my business partners and I scaled our last business to over 15 million within the span of a decade. And now how we are flipping it on its head to be able to help individuals and organizations become more aware and more intentional so they can get back to who they already are. I believe that that is when the door starts to crack for magic perspective, motivation, and direction. And it's when these things are done consistently that we have the opportunity to reduce the level of suffering on this planet. So we today are on a mission to impact a billion lives as quickly as possible by reducing the level of suffering that exists on this planet so that people can experience joy, freedom, and fulfillment holistically. I believe that it's if we do this and we do this correctly, we give ourselves the opportunity to stand on our own two feet, not only confident in who we are, but convicted in who we are, knowing that the world will not just accept us for who we are, but will embrace us for who we are. That's the kind of world I want to leave for my kids and my grandkids. And so that's motivating a lot of my work today. Do you have kids? I have two. How old are they? My son turns eight in two days and my daughter is six and a half. (laughs) That's great. Now, one thing that you said that I'd like to go back and have you expound on a little bit. And that is to embrace pain to avoid suffering. Now, I do personally understand that a bit because when my husband was in a car accident and got permanent brain damage, that is exactly how he has chosen to live his life in the last 30 years, which is the pain is there. He cannot deny it, but does not allow it to control his life. Is that basically what you are saying? So that is a spin on it, but that is not necessarily the direct application, though it can be perceived that way. And so I appreciate everything that you just said about your husband and his choice, because ultimately it does come down to a choice, right? Uh Um, But let me explain the concept a little bit. You know, the narrative of the world 
is to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain, right? We hear it all day long, every direction. There's all these numbing techniques that exist. And by the way, it makes sense because it's a natural evolutionary response to survival. A hundred years ago, Carol, you, you cut your leg, you could die. Uh-huh. But that's not really our reality, at least in most uh, modern day societies. And so we have to redefine then what is pain and what are we actually avoiding and what are we actually leaning into? Okay. So pain is defined as short term, intermittent, a direct cause from something and then alleviated once that direct cause is removed. What we then do as human beings, we screw it up by putting adjectives in front of it like acute and chronic. Uh-huh. Well, acute maintains the definition, but chronically inherently changes it because it implies that it's no longer short term and it persists after the direct cause is removed. So pain gets lots of attention because we feel it. It's real time. We want to avoid it. Whereas suffering often creeps up on us without us even knowing it's there, often until its effects can be irreversible. So let's stop calling chronic pain, chronic pain, and call it what it really is, suffering. We just don't want to admit that it exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. So how does this concept play out? We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid the suffering of aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a loved one or spouse to avoid the suffering of being stuck in a loveless marriage when you want divorce or being stuck in a marriage when you don't want divorce. You can embrace the pain of the fit your kids are sure to throw by having them put down their mobile devices at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years of lost meaningful connection and conversation when you'll never get back. As business owners, we can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson to avoid the suffering of stagnant growth and losing all our other top talent because that salesperson was the greatest cancer in our culture. As individuals, we can embrace the pains required to heal through whatever our experiences in life have been, to challenge our perspectives, to avoid the suffering of being stuck and never becoming who we're capable of being. I believe we almost choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. Say that again. I believe we almost choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. That's it in a nutshell. Wow, thank you. Excellent. Is there anything else that you can share before we go any further regarding what people can do to change their mindset? And what I'm basically looking for is what is the first step? I think that would be my question to you. What's the first step in how would you turn? Would you say changing your mindset? I I think that I look at it a little bit differently in today's world because I set a intellectual narrative and a mindset that actually bit me. Okay. Um, Meaning I don't think it's just mental toughness and just mindset that frees us. I think those that are at the highest level of performance uh, in life, and I don't mean the most successful in business. I mean the highest level of performance as people are the ones that understand where they're hardwired intellectually and emotionally and learn to balance and regulate between both intellectual and emotional narratives so that they know which one is true. What we do focus on to free people, and I would say, I know you're looking for the very first step. The very first step I would say is stop looking for the strategy and tactics to improve your life. Most people are like, oh, I'm stuck. So I'm going to go buy a seven step system that's going to help me create financial freedom. (laughs) Right, right. Right? Or they're going to look for the next way that they can improve the way that they eat or their diet. And it's like, if I just, if I do this diet or I go to this gym or I replace this strategy and tactics, then, then I'll be free. But what we know with working with hundreds of high performers is that the things that keep us stuck, Carol, are not the strategy and tactics. They're essential for the things that we do in life. However, the things that keep us stuck are a combination of emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. And so the thing that I would say as the first step for anybody who's feeling unfulfilled, ungratified, unworthy, defeated in some capacity of their life, they're not where they want to be or who they want to be. 
Start by raising your level of awareness. Our minds process Excellent. 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So it's no wonder that most people feel like they have no mm -hmm. influence or control mm -hmm. over their destinies because we largely live in the unconscious. So until we go through a systematic process of moving the unconscious to the conscious, the unaware to the aware, it's going to feel like we're victims. It's going to feel like life is fate. It's going to feel like we have no influence or control over our destinies. We cannot be intentional with what we're unaware of. So if you take one thing from this conversation, find a way to raise your level of awareness in any area of your life, and you will start to make progress forward because of what you can extract from that. Now, there's a million other things that we could go into. I'm sure you can imagine, Carol, but that's the one thing I wish everybody would do is just pause and try to raise their level of awareness in how they see themselves and how they see themselves interacting with this world. Basically, what you're saying as far as raising your level of awareness is how you see yourself. Or are you talking the big picture of your awareness and your environment? I think it's both. Okay. But if everybody just started with awareness in themselves, we'd be a lot better off. And how do they do that? Well, so many people ask the question, right? They're like, well, how, how do I get to know who I am? How do I, know, how do I know who my most authentic self is? There's a number of exercises that we could give, but I'm going to give you just two that are really simple. One, create two lists. On the first list, I want you to literally write down all the people, sources of information, places, things and activities that you do and environments that you exist in that light you up, that leave you energized. That leave you feeling like I just spent eight hours, but it only felt like one because I was in flow and I can't wait to get back to spend time with that person or in that place or doing that activity again. We all know what that feels like. Uh -huh. On the counter list, write all the people, sources of information, places, activities, and environments that leave you feeling defeated, depleted, uh -huh. unworthy, where you spend one hour and it feels like eight. You can't imagine getting up the next day and slamming your head into that same brick wall over and over and over again, either with the person, activity, or place. What most people don't knew, do is that we actually know what that feels like as well. But very <laughs> few people go through any kind of intention to eliminate or reduce the amount of time they spend on the negative list because they've convinced themselves that that's just what life has to look like. The reality of it is if all you do is raise your level of awareness on those two lists and you spend more time focusing on the one that's on the positive side, the things that light you up, you will be leaning more into who you are and have a higher level of awareness. The second activity that I'll give you if you don't know this one's hard, though, because you have to put yourself in a position of vulnerability. I believe that vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds human connection. Who in your life can give you real, objective, non-judgmental feedback on who you are? So look at your spouse, your, your friends, your parents, your kids are some of the greatest teachers. And if you just ask them a couple of questions, for example, you could say, hey, what is one thing that I do in my life that if you could remove it from mine and plug it into yours tomorrow, what would that be? If there was something that you see me doing in the way I interact with you or with others or in my job that you think might be creating damage in my life that I'm not seeing or damage in the life of other people that I'm not seeing, what would that be? Where are my greatest blind spots and my greatest opportunities to improve? You have to be willing to receive that feedback. But if you do, what you're doing is you're gathering external awareness around how others see you and you can then calibrate and recognize where and how it aligns with how you see yourself. I'm speechless because that's perfect. <laughs> that's excellent, excellent advice. And as, as you were talking, I'm, I'm definitely relating on many different levels. And I know that many others that are listening are doing the exact same thing. And you're challenging us. And challenge is great.
and I appreciate that. What I would like to ask you now is how did you, kind of switching gears a little bit here, but how did you build your business from a quarter million in revenue to over 15 million in a decade? Was it just applying what you have already shared or tell us about that? It's a combination of a whole variety of things. And I always have to pause when I say this because I did not build it alone. Mm-hmm. I had business partners mm-hmm. and we had phenomenal associates that were all a part of building that. So it wasn't like Brian Bogert scaled to 15 million as a solo person. Mm-hmm. No, I a significant contributor. Of course I was. But I have to give credit to those that were a part of it because um, it, it, that's just who I am. And, and I recognize that. I will tell you, there was a lot of these concepts that we applied. Um, there was a lot of leadership uh, 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 things that we applied. I think really what I had to recognize for myself and with my business partners is where and how do we leverage each of our respective skill sets and where do we allow ourselves to get out of the way with what we're building and allow the people that we are hiring who are smarter and better than us in so many ways to be the ones to get the credit and how do we be the ones to take the, the brunt. So I had a leadership philosophy, which was I would measure my level of success with how effectively I could transfer relationships on the front end to the relationship manager, the account manager, account executive that might be working with them, and how often I could actually make my clients view me as not valuable in the relationship other than for relationship management and accountability. When I was able to do that effectively, it not only empowered my teams to do what they needed to do so they could have ownership and autonomy in it, but I also, anytime we had bad news to deliver, would be the one to deliver it to the client so that they could maintain the credibility with their core relationships as it related to management in that team. We also had a philosophy that everybody were all hands on deck. So there was times that myself and my business partners would be the ones to take the trash out in the early days and even all the way up until the time that I executed my buy, sell and left. But it was really a combination of how do we see ourselves? How do we actually build and establish a brand that's built on a do-say ratio so that we actually deliver on what we say we're going to do? And how do we do that in a way that maintains an ethical like line that we all can buy into and follow as we built our culture? We were so unique and different in the way that we did certain things. We were kind of the silent ninja running around town, uh, <laughs> taking down... Uh, new accounts for a long time until all of a sudden people started to see us coming and then we had to shift and change. Mm. So I will tell you, we applied strategy and tactics in a whole variety of ways, but I'll tell you that the amplification in the business, at least in my own portion of the business, was really when I started to identify and understand my own relationship with shame and where and how it was impacting the way that I was showing up in business, the way I was interacting in relationships in business. Um, You know, shame for me Brene Brown helped me outline that it wasn't the traditional narrative that I was being impacted by. See, she outlines that there's two talk tracks. One is you're not worthy and you're not good enough. I'd be lying to you, Carol, if I said I never lived there, but that's not Uh my phenomenon. uh The second is when you shut that down, you show up in the arena and you're ready to go to battle. It's who do you think you are? You see, everything major I ever did in my life, I felt the need to apologize for. The bigger I lived, the worse I felt the more I had to pull back the throttle in my own life. And I was actually the greatest thing limiting growth and perpetuation of the mission and impact that we wanted, not only in that business, but in the other things that we were doing. And so it was when I started to understand that emotional trigger and where and how that would change the way I would show up in different environments in business and in life is when I started to create freedom. And also that's when the business started to really take off. So the amplification started to be when 
I was no longer confined by the shackles of my shame and was able to actually move through it from a position of power. Do you believe that that one of the problems that people might have is that they are not aware of who or what is holding them back and how important is who you choose to be on your team in whatever aspect of your life? So great questions. Um, The first one is, yes, I think that most people are blind to it. And most people are blind to it because they don't necessarily turn into it. And it's also because of the way the narratives of the world have conditioned us to believe that, again, if we just replace X, then we'll have a different outcome. So often, right, everything begins and ends with you. And I say that even more in case with entrepreneurs and business owners, because truly the business culture and all of it throughout is going to be dictated by the leadership and culture that's built. And so great example. I have a client that I've worked with for about 18 months. We started working together right at the beginning of COVID and he's in the commercial real estate space. Now, at the time he was on the tail end of a $600,000 settlement. Um, The organization owed him over $150,000 that he had foregone accepting himself because he wanted to be able to make sure that his team was taken care of and paid. They had declining revenues at that moment and he was able to see that they had 17 months of liquidity left in their business. They also were not, he was not feeling satisfied at home in his relationship. They'd lived in the same house for 12 to 14 years, thinking they'd only be there for five. Their kids had grown to a place where they were all on top of each other. The environment there wasn't great. And he was also somebody who had ridden his bicycle from coast to coast in the United States twice in his life already, but he was 50 pounds overweight, not having movement and not moving. We started working together. Within two months, we were able to identify that he had a really deep, dark level of shame that was manifesting Mm. scarcity in his business. Uh He communicated with his team at the time that they had 17 months of liquidity and he was going to do everything in their power to extend it as long as possible so that they could go find other jobs. He was literally preparing to wind down his business, feeling the commercial real estate space was absolutely demolished. For nine months, we spent deep, intrinsic time helping him unpack where are those triggers coming from? How have they patterned forward in his life? And where are the environments that are being impacted? And where is he creating damage that we now need to seek to create repair as a result of these things that he was reacting to that were not even his fault, but they were becoming his responsibility as he was becoming aware of them. Here's what happened. 12 months after he started to unpack this and put in the work on himself, his business grew by over 60% in a matter of the first quarter of that following year. They executed on multiple nine-figure deals in the commercial real estate space. They had never done a nine-figure deal. They did two within 60 days. He ended up netting (laughs) over $600,000 for himself in 2021, as well as increased merit raises across his entire organization, added a number of people to the organization, and they're preparing now for future growth in a variety of ways. Oh, by the way, they also ended up moving in their home. He's back to riding his bike over 100 100 (laughs) miles a week, and his wife actually sent me a thank you saying, oh my goodness. I never knew my husband could communicate this way. The reality of it is is everything in his life was a byproduct of that emotional trigger that was coming from shame that was in this deep, dark place, which by the way, I'm not going to share what that was. That's his story. But the outcomes of him freeing himself from the emotional trigger that was keeping him swirling the same patterns in his life is what was keeping him stuck. I could give you again, 50 other examples of other entrepreneurs, business owners, or leaders that we've worked with that have similar type patterns where it's all of a sudden when they can see the root of where all of this is coming from, and we can successfully unroot that trigger, 
all of a sudden they can start to move through life a little bit faster with less effort. I can feel the excitement building. Oh my goodness. We, we're going to take a quick break, 30 second break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to be challenged even more, but in a good way <laughs> of what we can do to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. The first part of this interview has been stimulating to say the least and I'm anxious to hear what else Brian is going to share with us today. So the first thing I want to ask you, Brian, is you made a statement that I sincerely appreciated and I have pondered on, and I'd like you to expound on that, and that is this. You said that there is a sleeping giant in every human, and he is a heart surgeon without a blade. Yeah. So often what we have found is that we work with individuals that are capable of far more than they believe they are, far more than the world has believed they are. And so often, like we gave in the example before, with that client that really was able to break free, it was about understanding who he was in more clarity and recognizing the generational patterns that he actually inherited that were not his fault, but became his responsibility. So often the giant that lies with inside us is also our most authentic self. Mm. You see, we are born as our most authentic, brightest burning light that we will ever be. Anybody who's been around kids knows this. Up until the age of about five, mm. they are raw. They are real. What you see <laughs> is what you get. They are just full of life and charisma. And then what happens is parents, teachers, coaches, employers, we start telling them all the things that they should do or be. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should make this amount of money. You shouldn't make that amount of money. You should chase this amount of success. You shouldn't chase that, that amount of success. You should be in this profession. You certainly shouldn't be in that profession. And all of a sudden, what we start doing is putting all these layers on top of who somebody authentically is that's funneling them down in this little box that the world will be able to accept. Well, should in and of itself is a shame-based word because what it is implying is that whoever you are, whatever you're doing isn't good enough. And so mm -hmm. we have to recognize that to get back to our most authentic selves, it's really about shedding the layers that the world has placed upon us and the ones that we've allowed to stick over the course of our lives. And so to get back to that sleeping giant, it's really getting back to your most authentic self and tapping into that raw energy and excitement of who you are and leaning into the things that light you up. You know, we've said for a long time that we help giants become legends by helping them grab what they think is just out of their grasp. Truly, the example I gave on my client earlier is a perfect one. He didn't think it was possible. He was planning to shut his business down 18 months into the future. 
He had fabricated a future that was yeah. based in fear and rooted in his shame that was not reality. And he had convinced himself he had no influence or control over that process. But once he started to unpack it, we let him through the inside out method that we use to help people understand how to identify their emotional triggers and free themselves of it. He had to become aware of it. He had to own it. He had to unroot it. And then he had to move through it. And so those are the four steps that we talk about in this inside out method to really be able to help people, again, increase their awareness so that they no longer have to be confined by the box the world has defined that they need to fit in. So the other side of this is through the shoulds, we've been conditioned to chase the what's of the world. Hmm. What house, what car, what amount of money, what amount of success, what spouse, what house, all of it. But I will tell you that I got all of the what's I sought to accomplish by the time I was 27, but it almost it actually led to me losing who I was. See, I chased all the hmm. what's, never chased the who. And it wasn't until I started shedding the layers of what the world placed upon me, getting back to my most authentic self, that I realized that if I focus on who I am, if I get back to that core and I identify and I live in who I am in every moment, then all the what's in my world are actually a manifestation of who I am versus having my what's causing me to lose who I am. When we do this, that's when the sleeping giant comes out. That's when we can accomplish things far greater than what we set ourselves out to believe that we can. And that's how we start breaking the limiting beliefs that keep us in a position where we don't do that. So we build our life in alignment so it can become self-regulating. And that's how we live a no limits life. This has been so intriguing. And I know that you have so much more to share. I mean, this is probably just a tip of the iceberg. So what I want you to do now, if you would please, is to tell the audience what they can do to connect with you, what you have to offer them that they can take what they are hearing today and begin to apply it. So if you just want to follow us and you're a social media person, go to at Bogert Brian on any channel and you'll find us. Um, if you want to engage a little further, uh, we do have a free offer for you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caveat it so that you really understand that there's no gimmicks, no tricks behind this free offer. To impact a billion lives, we realize that 99.9999999% will never pay us a dollar. And we are very okay with that because we recognize and have proven that those who are choosing to invest in themselves substantiate all the resources we need to perpetuate that impact. So we create a lot of content to truly elevate and empower uh. everybody to move individuals because the only way we get to a billion is collectively. It's with collective impact. And so here's the caveat. Will you give your email in exchange for the free course that we're going to give you? Absolutely. Will you get a couple of emails as you are guided through the process, helping make sure that you're successful and can adopt what we're actually having you do? Absolutely. When you're complete, will there be a handful of emails to highlight other opportunities to engage further should you desire to? Absolutely. But they will stop after a couple of emails and you can unsubscribe at any time. We are not trying to get your email to spam you. Uh -huh, we are uh -huh. genuinely trying to help. So. What you'll get if you go to nolimitsprelude.com is a free course that hits on a lot of our core concepts. There's over 30 minutes of video content and leads you all the way through the first chapter in our normal course that allows you to begin with the end in mind so that you can actually focus on who you're becoming. Whether you know who you are, you have no idea who you are, or you're somewhere in between, I promise you this will be of value to you. And my only request is if you see anything that moves you, you see anything that you like on social media or in this course, 
All I'm asking is that you like, comment, or share. And I don't mean that from a vanity metric perspective. I don't care if you just turn your phone to the person sitting next to you and let them watch it and you never hit that like button. But the point is, is that moved people move people. I'm asking you to help mm -hmm. me move more people mm -hmm. so that we can impact a billion lives collectively. One of the things that I heard you say at one point was that successful people get stuck too. And oh, yeah. So, and so address that a little bit, because I know that no matter how successful you think you are or have become, you can be frustrated by your own lack of progress, correct? So yeah. expound on that a little bit. I'm not going to say that successful people can get stuck too. Successful people get stuck all the time. Part of the reason that they're successful, though, is they learn how to not be stuck for very mm. long. So all of us have been stuck. All of us will be stuck again. The thing is, it's just not okay to stay stuck. It's not okay to remain there. Now, again, what most people think has them stuck is they have the wrong strategy and tactics in their life. What we find so frequently, and this is what you guys will all take away from this, is that what really keeps people stuck is a combination of emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning. Emotional triggers are the tip of that iceberg. Emotional triggers are the one that you can reverse engineer behavioral patterns and environmental conditioning if you know the trigger, but you can't always identify the trigger if you know the pattern or the environment. So what's a trigger? An emotional trigger is something that yanks you or transports you into a place that's not right here, that's in reaction to something that might not have anything to do with what's in front of you. A trigger is that, you know, your spouse makes a comment about how you loaded the dishwasher and immediately you're transported to how your grandma or grandpa talked yeah. to you when you were five. And you'll react out of anger or frustration or resentment. A trigger is when my wife would ask me in prior life, hey, what are we gonna do with the kids this weekend? And because being a husband and father is one of the number one things I care about in this world, my shame filter would hear that through a lens of I'm not doing enough as a husband and father. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. All of a sudden, I'm in a defensive place. All of a sudden, I react and I rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last three days to prove I'm a good husband and father when that wasn't even what she was asking. She was simply asking what we're going to do with our kids this weekend. You see, the difference between those okay. that are successful and those that are not in positions of where they get stuck is that when we're stuck, it's a reactionary state to a trigger. When we react, we create damage. Those that are successful learn how to respond instead of react. They learn how to take in what's actually taking place, understand from a position of awareness where they are at and what is happening so that real time they can have take a breath and recreate a new pattern. So great example with what I was doing with my wife. I had to relearn and recondition what I had inherited through my own generational patterns and my own mm -hmm. patterning and changing my life. So that when she asks that question now, I literally pause. And if I'm not clear on what the question is, I will either ask again, or if it did trigger me to be defensive, I can at least own that in the moment and say, hey babe, I, I don't think this is what you intended, but what you just said caused me to be, feel a little triggered and get defensive. <laughs> So can we maybe restart because I don't, I either we need to walk away so that I don't create damage here or I need to bring down my wall and my defenses so that I can hear you accurately. Being stuck is a byproduct of you. People are waiting for a savior. People are waiting for a hero. I hate to break the news. Nobody's coming to save you. Right. Nobody's coming to get you unstuck. You are the only one that can do that. Now you can lean on a guide. And I would encourage many people to find a guide. And I want to be really clear here. This is not a pitch to go find a coach because I think 95% of people aren't even ready for a coach. But the reality of it is, is a guide could be a kid, a parent, a, a, a lover, a friend, a guide who can help you see yourself more clearly, who can help you understand what's actually taking place in front of you, who can give you that alternative perspective to point you at what's important. And so that's what I would say. 
the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is the amount of time that they spend being stuck. Because we're all going to be stuck again. It's just we don't want to stay there for very long. Excellent point. Wow. You said a lot, and and we're trying to listen fast. You know? I know I talk fast. I, I try to give as much value as I can. Carol. Exactly. No, please don't apologize. It's been awesome. I would suggest two things. Number one, that the audience definitely goes to your website, and we'll repeat that again in your summary. But also uh, that they re-listen to this, possibly even before they um, go to your website, because you are sh- and take notes. You know, there's, there's, there are diamonds here that we can grab onto, and I really appreciate what you shared. You certainly have stimulated me, and I thank you for that. So, in summary, summarize and also share your website again. Yeah, so the free offer is at nolimitsprelude.com. Um, the two other websites that you can visit if you want to understand other resources is brianbogert.com and iamnolimits.com. Both of those will give you a little bit of an entry into our world and engage with us. And Carol, thank you for everything you said. The other tip that uh, we've learned from other podcasts that I've been on is you can listen to this at half speed, depending on which player you're listening to it through. (laughs) And so because I know the technology can play in our favor, I've decided that I'm going to continue to talk at my natural cadence and try to give as much value as I can. But but I know that uh, others need to slow it down. So that is quite all right. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you today for you to have built the platform for me to pour good into the world and um, for the conversation and dialogue that we've had today. And thank you, Brian, for everything that you shared today and for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.